1: From the Upper Cumberland to Knoxville to Huntsville, Muscle Shoals, Florence, Alabama, we say welcome to Nashville. Owl Kick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour is here. Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. With Chad Withrow and Paul Kaharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Crew all here as well, including the chairman of the board, David Reed. Some big football games here in the state to uh, get to over the next hour. We preview the upcoming weekend, Tennessee and Ole Miss, Titans and Bills. Coming up this hour, we'll give you three keys on how the Titans beat the Bills on Monday Night Football. But beyond that, we'll get into the injury report. Paul will get into the upcoming schedules. We're going to compare uh, some things across the AFC South and dive a little into the tight end numbers and how those are being utilized right now by this Titans offense. But we start things off with the Tennessee Volunteers hosting Ole Miss on Saturday night as they take on Lane Kiffin and the Rebels. And Chad, an opportunity here for Josh Heupel. A massive, massive boost with a victory on Saturday. He's got a couple of big opportunities
2: coming up for a massive boost. This game... Uh, I think the Kentucky game is is one that's that's winnable for him. That would be an an enormous boost, especially if they're a top 15 team at that point, just like you see Ole Miss with it right now. Three ways that this can happen uh, on Saturday night, and uh, we're going to show them to you if you're watching right now, and I'm going to tell you about them. Uh, One big thing is just continue playing the way that you've been playing, if you're Tennessee, because what's been happening has been working offensively, They've been a juggernaut in SEC play. You saw it against Missouri, saw it against South Carolina. Continue that offensive production if you're Tennessee. You don't need to get cute in this game. Continue playing fast. Continue doing exactly what you've been doing the last couple of weeks. So number one for Tennessee is cut down on the penalties. You need to be the least penalized team in this game. They lost the Pit game because of penalties. 13 penalties for over 150 yards. Not going to cut it. I also say that for this reason. This is the first actual atmosphere in Knoxville in a while. This crowd can cause penalties for Ole Miss. It's more difficult against a team of Ole Miss's pace because you're not just lining down forever, audibling and looking around where you get more false starts, you get delay of games because you're taking so much time. Ole Miss is going to snap the ball as quickly as Tennessee – For that reason, you have less procedural penalties, but this is a game that the crowd can affect. We've seen it in 2021. Guys aren't used to big crowds after last year. You got people that are having to ease back into playing in big environments because of that. Penalties have been up. Poor play on the road has been up. Communication. Tennessee needs to be a part of that problem with this crowd, with this atmosphere on Saturday night. Key number one to me, be the least penalized team in this game. Let your crowd force penalties for Ole Miss. Don't be the one playing sloppy. And Jeremy Banks, don't get a 15-yard penalty. That's becoming too much of a trend. And I know Tennessee's defensive coordinator, uh, Tim Banks, said he's not going to play. We're going to have to sit him if he continues to do that. Key number two in this game, rushing yards. Both of these teams want to run it and run it well. Tyon Evans who Josh Heupel says continues to progress, has not said whether or not he's going to go on Saturday, he must go. And he must go for over 125-plus yards. This is what happened in the game against Missouri. It's what happened against South Carolina when Tennessee's at their best.
1: If he can't go, what are they capable of doing on the ground?
2: Jabari Small's got to go, and he's got to beat Tyon Evans, essentially. Jabari Small is capable. I don't think we he's, saw him against Missouri. he's as good... Uh, but he is a capable running back. If both Evans and Small can't go, both are slightly questionable. I think both of them are going to give it a go. Both slightly questionable, though. Uh, Tennessee's got no chance because they're running out of running backs at that point. They,
1: they've got to run the ball against Ole Miss. And Ole Miss has a stable of backs, and they, they run it a lot more than what people realize in that offense.
2: They are the number two rushing team in the SEC behind Tennessee right now. So it's, it's Tennessee and Ole Miss. Both teams love to run the ball. Uh, and for Hendon Hooker, he's got to be a part of the rush game. Had over I think 61 yards against South Carolina, had 85 against Missouri. Right in the middle of that. He doesn't have to light the world on fire, but he's got to be a threat to run it. 70 plus running yard, rushing yards in this game. Those are the two keys for me player-wise in the run game. Hendon Hooker, Tyon Evans. 125 plus for Evans, 70 plus for Hendon Hooker. Number 3, They're not going to just stop Ole Miss consistently with the way they play offense. Tennessee's defense is improved. They've been a bright spot. They're much better. I think Tennessee defensively is better than Ole Miss defensively. But Tennessee's defense is not going to consistently stop Ole Miss, especially when Lane Kiffin goes for it on fourth down so many times. It's going to be tough to make fourth down stops consistently got to get turnovers in this game. Well, I, Tennessee's been much better in the takeaway game since the first couple of games of the year, so really since the Pitt game where it was 3-0, Tennessee had three turnovers to zero for Pitt. Since then they've been better. They've got to get at least two turnovers in this game. That's paired with
0: no giveaways.
2: I mean a lot. They're they're probably going to turn it over at some point, but keep, the, it keep this in mind too. There's been one interception between these two quarterbacks and it was Hendon Hookers to end the Pitt game. Matt Corral, all of his passes, not one interception this year. This game features the top two quarterbacks in America in QBR, and number one is not the guy who's going to be the first quarterback taken in the draft. It's Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker's got the best QBR in the nation. Matt Corral is second. So by QBR, these are the two highest-performing quarterbacks in America going head-to-head on on Saturday night. Um, I think Tennessee probably turns – Yes, Paul. You need to win the turnover you battle. A plus two but turnover they, to battle? get to get the stops they need, and to change the direction of the game. They need. They're going to need two plus turnovers from Ole Miss. However, you can get it, and they may get it also on a fourth down stop, because we've seen Kiffin now who loves go. to go for it on fourth Sounds down doable. a bunch of times.
1: Um, they. I, I wonder about Kiffin's offense. What What is Tennessee's longest scoring drive? Time of possession. Do you know? Was it four minutes? Five minutes?
2: Probably uh, one, uh, wasn't the one against South Carolina. One, the second-half score against Missouri, where they were playing quicker, I mean, playing slower, because the score <laughs> was snapping it two-and-a-half times a Yeah, minute. I mean, they're, they're snapping it you know every 25 seconds because they're trying
1: to run clock. We know that Kiffin's offense is capable of putting together a 12-to-13, 14-play drive, um, and, and they're helped in that category because they run the football, and they they can bog it down some for the style that we're expecting on Saturday – 80 points total is a lot as I look at this. We thought they were hit that – we thought we would see a repeat performance of that against Bama. It was around the same over-under. And I, I I look at that line and think, man, this is, a, this is a steep scoreboard to climb if you're chasing a 45-45 shootout on Saturday.
2: It would take a shocking performance from one side of the ball for <laughs> – for either of these teams to not have both 30-plus in this game, at least, to not be approaching that 80-point mark. I think it, this is more of a 41-38. It's going to be right there hugging that line. But, I mean, it's gonna, it, it would take an otherworldly defensive performance by one of these teams to hold the other one down, based on what we've seen so far offensively from both. And I think it could take an otherworldly bad performance on offense. Where Matt Corral inexplicably throws four picks, you know it's, it would take something but, like that to hold both one of these offenses down.
1: These defenses face this offense in practice every day, both of them. Yes. So I, I don't think we can overstate the fact that they do have a style and a pace defensively that can maybe not match up man for man. Slow them down. But but at least be prepared. I. I It's tough to go into a week and prepare for Heupel's offense unless you're Ole Miss, who runs the same speed and the same snap rate.
0: That's the case for the under. Well, and Tennessee's defense
2: is better. This is what no one's talking about because the offense has been so much fun the last few weeks. Tennessee's defense is a lot better, and it's not just a fluke of, Mm. well, who have they played? You know, they haven't played. Pitt's got the number one offense in America. They've played four of the top 50 teams in the country in yards per play. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, that's a big part of this. And I think offensively, too, it's, a, it's the same thing. They've played four of the top 50 defenses in yards per play. So the offense, no, they haven't played Alabama and Georgia yet, but they've played, South Carolina had a very salty defense going into that game. They held Kentucky to 16 points. Uh, they held teams down. They, they're not scoring points is their problem. Uh, Pitt's defense has not been great. Florida's defense has been good in yards per play. One, one of the best ones in the country. So, again, I don't think it's just schedule with tennis. It's not just schedule when you're blowing the doors off of people. I would say, well, let's see them against a good team if they won by seven points against Missouri and South Carolina. Then I would say pump the brakes a little bit. I think there's reason for legitimate optimism with Tennessee moving forward the rest of the way, because they're not just beating Missouri and South Carolina, they're blowing them out. And the games were never close in either one of those. This That's why this game, it started at, I think, four, the the spread, and it's down to two, last I checked on, on FanDuel. This is becoming more and more of a toss-up uh, between Tennessee and Ole Miss. So I, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see how both these offenses look when you've got both teams playing the same speed. And then how that operates with the defense. Who's getting worn down? Ole Miss has got better depth than Tennessee is one thing to watch. But the three keys I laid out there, I think if Tennessee accomplishes those three, I think they win on Saturday night.
1: You and I will be in Athens for Georgia and Kentucky. I'll kick the tailgate live at 8 o'clock Central, 9 in the East, uh, across the i kick network Saturday morning to get you ready for game day. We should get off the air and drive to Knoxville. That's, that, that should be the plan. We should hop in the Two Rivers Ford vehicle and jolt to, to Knoxville and watch this game. Yeah, big thanks
2: to Two Rivers Ford for, uh, for hooking us up again with a, a great vehicle. Um, that, that would definitely be the play, Hutton. If you could do the two-pack of games, uh, we'll get into my top ten tomorrow. Okay. And I think you'll see why this would be the most impressive two-pack you could pull off with. The problem is you would hope that one game would be at 11 a.m. They'd back right up into each other. With Georgia, Kentucky, and no, the Tennessee I'm saying right up am We just
1: skip the game. We get skip off the, the air at yeah. eleven and go straight to Knoxville. Skip the Georgia Kentucky game. <laughs> I'm telling you the the, the atmosphere I'm is not as be, confident in that game.
2: The atmosphere is going to be better in Knoxville than it will be in Athens. Because Georgia's used to success, and they've got Kentucky, even though they're a number eleven team in the country. That Tennessee fan base is starved for something, and they are bloodthirsty it's a for the return of Lane Kiffin.
0: Well, I mean, you've had meaningful games this year, but they've gotten gradually more meaningful. This is this one's this
2: one's even more special because of the opponent, and because well, of Lane Kiffin. But there, there
0: have
1: been opponents, like Florida, the Florida game. There have been Florida games with Butch Jones. Um, th- there were moments with Derek Dooley where you looked at the schedule and you thought, "Oh, this is this is great. This is this is where the, this is how they jump on the trampoline and, and get that little boost, right?" This, is a, this feels different because of the way the schedule is set up for them and the way they came together with finding the right quarterback and being able to then launch into Missouri and South Carolina the way they have and getting a team that they should be able to score against in, in a fun, fa- fast-paced shootout style, fast-break style, knowing that Georgia's down the horizon and Kentucky is good but not great. This is, a, this is set up well for Josh Heupel. It's also
2: this is just fun. I feel like so much of Tennessee football whenever you expect something has been misery for Tennessee fans because you're expecting the worst. I don't think that fans are expecting the worst with this group. This is and there's no real stakes. And when you really think about it, n- neither one of these teams is playing for a national title or an SEC title. For Tennessee it's hey, can we have 7 wins or 6 wins? Either one would be great. But right. it's not like you're going for, you know, a New Year's Day Bowl. At the end of the year, it's just fun. It's a packed house. It's 102455 It's the return of Lane Kiffin. It's two high-paced offenses that are going to score a lot of points. And it's two coaches that look like they're having fun most of the time.
0: I don't know if you guys have gotten to them yet. Be sure at The Athletic to read big lookbacks. Kiffin's departure from UT was one of them, and also the undoing of the, the Shiano hiring. They're having kind of a series of lookbacks at big coaching moments, and the Kiffin one, obviously, time-appropriate this week. Both worth reading. Coming
1: up, we switch gears. Titans and Bills on Monday night. We'll give you the injury report for today as the Titans are on the practice field. We'll also give you three keys to watch as the Titans try to pull the upset on Monday night football. Beyond that, we'll dive into the tight end position. We'll take a look at the AFC South and much more. All of that coming up on Outkick 360. titans and bills on monday night football at nissan stadium outkick 360 rolls on across the outkick network paul the latest injury report from titans practice you were out there earlier today and they've wrapped up work since then give us the latest it was lengthy last week it's lengthy again
0: Not quite as lengthy. Uh, The worst thing here is Christian Fulton has a a hamstring, and he did not practice. This is the first official report, so we don't have anything official on, on who did what yesterday. And Caleb Farley, who was not out there during the open portion yesterday but didn't have an official listing, did not practice today with illness, so he was presumably ill yesterday as well. Henry had the day off. Monty Rice is out with a groin injury. Saffold didn't practice with the shoulder. And we have some, some questions about whether he'll be shut down or not. Thiers Tart, uh, who's a big part of this defense, did not practice with a toe. Limited, four guys, uh, blasting game. LaJuan McNichols with an ankle. Chester Rogers with a groin. Full included A.J. Brown, Bud Dupree, Julio Jones, and Nick westbrook Aquina. So uh, wide receivers trending up for sure.
1: That's a, a massive piece of info that AJ and Julio are back practicing in full, and that Bud Dupree was a full participant in practice. Yep, that's that's big for good
2: an, news for the Titans. A week now,
1: good to, news to Caleb Farley. Um, yes, you're allowed to have a sick day, and you, you can be under the weather. Um, and I don't I don't know what the issue is. It's not COVID related. That much we know. He would have gone on the COVID list today. That would have been announced. Um, as much time as he's missed, and the fact that a first-round pick is not on the field, I, if I'm him, I'm not missing work at this point. Like, in in the preseason, Vrabel was saying, yeah, Caleb's not ready to play. And we've... Clearly not. They haven't even tried to put him out there all that much. He played some last week. I get it. But you guys know what I'm getting at. Impact-type player has not been Caleb Farley.
0: I would think if he could be out there, he'd be out there because Fulton I is guess. in jeopardy now. This guy missed- and if Fulton's in jeopardy, then you've got to have Farley at the ready. And if he could be out there, he's going to be out
1: there. I, I just – I, <laughs> if I have a head cold, I'm practicing. This guy, I, mean, yeah, I don't know I, what it is. I would agree. But if I, mean, this I think you've got to have excuse, a terrible
0: stomach virus and be dehydrated and, and, I, and, and be told to go on bed will tell, or have something that could be contagious that you don't want anybody exactly, else Exactly, the Teams yet. will
1: tell players, if you're feeling fevers, don't come in. And I get it. I, I wouldn't want that around anybody either. But this missing due to illness, you know, I for a guy that you're asking a lot of and not getting much in return...
2: It's it, it, could, it could be just very unfortunate timing that he is really sick right now and he wants to be out there with everything else going on because you're right, he doesn't need to be out there. And, Paul, I'll say this. This goes back to something you say all the time. You could help the guy out, your player, by saying what it is. Hey, he's got a really bad stomach virus. He can't be here. Well, right. We and and they've
0: not answered questions or you can say since that we this sent report him came out. Yeah. So tomorrow Mike Vrabel will talk again and and we'll be able to ask.
1: And maybe and and again. He'll be back, hopefully. I'm not jumping to conclusions. And he's got two more practices. This is
0: the first practice of the week.
1: There there are some things where you just battle through at this stage if you're him,
0: just to prove a point,
1: to prove you're available and you're willing to push through certain things. Um but he plays a factor in the game plan to me. I'm gonna get to that. The three keys for the Titans and the Bills and how the Titans can actually pull a win on Monday night, and, and storylines to follow both tomorrow and Monday throughout the day, I have no doubts about the Bills. I mean, they're going to lap the, the AFC East. They are going to have a schedule that after Monday with Tennessee, they will play Miami, Jacksonville, New York, and Indy in that order. I mean, th- those four teams have a combined record of 3-16 and 16 right now. No doubt about where Buffalo's headed here. Um, with that in mind, I think it's imperative that the Titans follow this formula. First, no turnovers. And this, this is very basic, but this is how Buffalo blows you out. That's how they just bust through the doors, as Brian Billick would say, like a banshee. They You, you must protect the ball. Buffalo is plus 11 in turnover margin right now. The Titans are minus three. That tells you the the balance Of Buffalo.
0: Plus 11 in five games. Plus 11. That's
1: that's a lot. The, The Bills did not get this. They did not force a turnover in week one, the game that they lost. Pittsburgh did not turn it over, despite that horrible first half, that great comeback in the second half. They have 15 turnovers in their last four games. Three, three, five, and four. I mean, it has been a flood of picks and fumble recoveries. So that's imperative. And we've seen the Titans turn it over with the pass rush and fumbles, interceptions. We've seen it happen. uh, This goes back to something I said earlier. Uh, Aside from just not turning it over, earlier this week I said they have to start fast. And I pointed out the first possession numbers. But it's beyond that. Buffalo has led at the end of the first quarter in every single game so far. The Titans ranked 25th in first quarter yards. They start slow. They don't get the engine going very quickly. They put the choke on a little bit before you crank the engine. They can't do that Monday. Um, They rank 24th in first half point differential, the Tennessee Titans. They they need to look closer to the 2020 version on Monday night offensively. Closer. They're currently only getting a touchdown on 56% of the times they reach the red zone. They were 6-for-6 in the red zone against Buffalo a year ago at this time. 6-for-6 getting touchdowns instead of field goals against the Buffalo Bills, and they blew them out. They have to be that consistent.
0: And there was 75% touchdown rate in the red zone last year, which made things a lot easier. It's a struggle this year. Last year, you, you, three out of four times, you cross a 20, you're getting seven points. That's, that's a recipe for success. Hunt, you this throw year, what'd you say, it's 60.9? I mean, that's a dramatic
1: comeback.
2: 56%. Hutton, you threw in those first quarter stats, but the difference between the Bills' fast starts and the Titans' slow offensive starts, that would lead you to say, well, then just tread water if you're the Titans early on. Don't get blitzed in that first quarter. Just hang up, t- be tied at the end of the first quarter. I tend to think this is the type of game where the Titans need to blitz someone. They need to completely flip the script and come out hot and be ahead at the end of the first quarter, which given the the early season track record with these two teams, not going to be the easiest ask. Well,
1: throw throw a wrinkle or something on the first possession if you get the ball. Even if you don't, get a stop and then and then go to work. Because uh, to reiterate their first possessions, and you don't have to go score a touchdown in the first possession, but man, would it be a huge boost in their favor Buffalo has outscored opponents this year by nearly 22 points per game. Keep that in mind. Uh, Titans opening offensive drive. Arizona, three plays, no yards. Seattle, three plays, nine yards. Colts, three plays, minus eight. And the Jets, two first downs, 31 total yards, and they got a field goal. I mean, that was points on the board, the only points we've seen on their opening possession – and against the Jags, uh, they had a first down, 18 total yards, and they sputtered out. That that can't happen. They end up facing a third and long, and they, they get out of sorts. Um, third key, though, get a turnover early and then capitalize on it. Use the speed and scheme on defense to get after Josh Allen. And I, I'm, I would get creative a bit. I would use – this is where I think the, the it is time to turn the table – Turn the calendar page, so to speak, of rookie to now. They're just a part of the team. It's time to see these ideas of why you drafted certain players come into play now. Elijah Molden, uh, described as the Logan Ryan of the draft. Use him like Logan Ryan defensively on Monday night. Um, I would use him in that role. I would blitz him. I I would try to get after, and it's very tough to do. I would try to get after Josh Allen, by using some disguises um, and and some bogeys, use deception to help you in coverage. And then I wrote down Caleb Farley. I would use his athleticism and his speed, both in the pass rush game and on and, and on coverages, on pressures and coverages. I would dial up specific packages for Caleb Farley. They drafted this guy based on his Olympic level athletic traits. Let it, put him to use put this guy on the field and dial up something using his speed and athleticism, something that doesn't take all that much to figure out. They don't even want this. I mean, it's, it's head. It's a very, it's a head scratcher to me. Why they don't want this guy taking his lumps as a rookie. They don't even want him out there to get reps. Um, He's barely seen the field this past week. I, I need more of him. I need things dialed up for the top pick in this draft for the Tennessee Titans Here's, here's Buffalo. Some,
2: quickly Hutton, to break in there with Caleb Farley. Here's something that he can do that doesn't take, it's not hard to figure out. Send him on a blitz where there's not enough guys to block him. If he's got this athleticism, send him on something where just go get the quarterback. I know there's nuances to blitzing defensive backs. Logan Ryan was great at it. But you can also, you're allowed to scheme something where you know you're sending enough guys that he's not accounted for. And the whole key is get to the quarterback as fast as possible before they make the hot read. Let's, let's see him go do that is something I'm, I'm totally with you. And Dylan Raiden's factors into this also.
0: It's a question about Saffel here, which, which we said from the end of, of the Jaguars game, practically, you know, there's, there's potential that he's rested this week to, to recover.
1: We, we hear Elijah Molden has, you know, the, the smarts for the game is, is great. Like the, allow him to use that skill set in this game. I, I have faith that Jim Schwartz behind the scenes, paired with their defensive coaches, can come up with the scheme for Buffalo. It's something, something they haven't shown on film yet. And I would use the youth and athleticism to my advantage in this game. They're going to need it. Um, other than Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen has the most designed runs among any quarterback in football right now. So you, you have to come up with ways to get him off his game a bit. Uh, Buffalo has at least one pass for 37 yards or more in every game this season.
0: Well, they're giving that up. They have at least one carry
1: for 22 yards or more in four of their five games played. Uh, They have come out hot. Seven plays of 20 or more yards in the first quarter through five games. I mean, they they go bombs away. They get after you. Uh, They have 23 of those plays total. By comparison, the Titans have 16. And they faced three of the six worst scoring offenses in the league this season. On their way to separating the score, they average a win by twenty-two points. Can the Titans keep this close? That that goes. That sounds really easy, and, and I think they can if they they use Henry the right way and their defense comes up with some ways to slow down Allen, um, who Vrabel I thought was great in his description and very honest. He was like, "Look, this guy looks like a a running back, uh, a wildcat." Running back, every playing play quarterback. Wildcat, yeah. Yeah, every play is a wildcat run or, or pass, and he can throw for 400 yards. And he's right. I mean, the guy is just – from where he was the first time we saw the Titans play him in Buffalo, that his rookie season to now, crazy to think of his uh, development and the trajectory that he's on. Is, is there even a
2: comp of someone who wasn't accurate that got that Favorite. level of accuracy Favorite. over the course of his career? That's he a was, great question. He was scattershot. As a rookie. And that was the knock on him. It was under 50% passer at Wyoming. It comes in, the whole knock was he's not overly accurate. And I'm thinking, well, he's never going to figure it out now. And boy, did he ever figure it out. I can't think of anyone else that rivals that. Not accurate in college, not accurate early in the league, and then figures it out and gets a ton of accuracy. It's,
0: it's not a common thing because uh, they, they say you you get what you're drafting. Uh, it, it's the predominant philosophy with, with completion percentage and accuracy. Hutton, I'll take everything that you're saying and package it up into yep. kind of one of my themes of the week, which is a, you, you need to outcoach them. And you out uh, out-coached yep. them. You That's out-coached what I was thinking the third time. point. You out outcoached them last time. And I think this is a big week for Vrabel and, and his staff uh, against McDermott. Uh, and and McDermott and his crew are definitely thinking, that, you know, I would think that they got out-coached last time and that they need to, uh, you know, at least, at least play at level and let their talent carry the day. But I, I think it's a big week for Vrabel it, uh, thematically. You know, with whatever the catchphrase is for the week, and um, you know, with, with whatever they came up uh, with on Tuesday and saw.
1: I'm with you, Paul, and they're capable of doing it. they we, we have seen it in the past. They've We've, done it, and they've done it against this team. Yeah, they, they, their defense has had nice success against this Bills offense. Um, this Bills defense, though, is where they're really improved. They get after the passer. Um, they have been good against the run. They've been good against the run against Henry. Henry in the blowout win last year didn't run for all those many yards. I mean, it was like 60, 70 yards. They really got
0: beat across the board last year. The turnovers carried them. I think they turned them over three times, and that and, and that separated the and Titans it was early. They got one from early. a statistical game that, you know, yardage-wise, third down. Buffalo was ridiculously good on third down against them last year. It's one of the reasons that the Titans were so bad in the in the full look at third down last year. Buffalo was some like like 12 for 14 or something. I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but it was comp, something in that ballpark. Crazy good.
1: They face three of the six worst scoring offenses, though, well, defensively, if we're just looking at what's real and what's not real based on who they've played. So that's all true. Um, we mentioned the Titans are around, what, 10 to 12 offensively right now? Yeah, I think so. 12th to 14th. I, I forgot what we initially said uh, after week five. But nonetheless, they're they're capable. The good news here, A.J. Brown is back. Julio Jones looks yes. like he's back. Um Derrick Henry is your running back and will continue to be the bell cow. And you hope, you hope with the addition of A.J. and Julio that they can find enough pass protection to allow them to get open. And in many cases last year, it's not like A.J. Brown had a whole lot of separation. Tannehill is extremely accurate. A.J. in some cases made some very difficult grabs in coverage. And then he was off to the races. So I I do think you let it rip, even though a guy may not be exactly open. Yes. Because you don't don't have to treat the guy like Josh Reynolds with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. You can throw the football in the air and trust that they're going to come down with it.
0: Agree entirely there. And they need to get there, get those two guys on the field at the same time. Um, You know, we can get into some of this. They're playing a ton of three wide. And I think it's maybe, I, and I don't love the tight ends by any means, but makes more sense to me maybe to pl- have played a little bit more too tight given the limitations of the three wides that they've had access to. They've not only been limited with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, they've been limited with Marcus Johnson, who was their third best receiver who missed uh, four games. You know, Josh Reynolds missed two games, one injured, one as a healthy scratch. They haven't had their full stable of wide receivers, not just talking AJ and and Julio. So they played last year, I think it was the most um, too tight in the league at 35%. That's down to 21% this year. They're up in three wide usage, as we would have expected with the healthy crew. From 38% to 61%. Now, there's a tight end involved in that, but the 20 sacks are a big, big issue. I wrote this in a tight end piece today. 16 of the 20 sacks have come out of three wide. Now, Jeff Swaim's on the field for a lot of that, and he's blocked very poorly. I'm not a huge PFF guy, but I use it sometimes for some context. There are 70 eligible, based on usage, tight ends. Jeff Swaim is 70th, Oh, okay? And not just his grade, but if you look at his pass protection he's still on the grade, roster. it's terrible. His pass protection grade is terrible. His run-blocking grade isn't that good either, but his pass protection grade and his overall grade, 70th. Ferkser is 60th. But it, Pruitt is 13th. Why, are you, why is that guy here? I don't know. We were talking about this that. the other day. Luke Stocker's out there. Now, you know who was good? Uh, according to PFF, again I uh, there are some people in Titans me that use PFF. like way too much w- way too much I look in at it occasionally Tommy Hudson graded pretty well in pass protection and yeah. he he he's hurt but Jeff Swain seems to me to be living on the Titans faith and past performance and not suffering any consequence and he's playing more snaps like uh Jeff Swain last year played 33. 33- 33% right now, he's playing 52%. So he's playing worse, and he's playing 20% more. Are they he's cap- not doing anything in the passing game.
1: Are they capable of using Kendall Lamb as like the jumbo tight end and then having I don't
0: know as in, well? In small situations, they, they could use Lamb, but I think it's a goal line. But I'm saying just use it, it, him as, as the blocker. second tight end, but know. he's really
1: just a blocker.
0: I think they should be doing something because this has always been a tight end-based team. And I'm fine with them going newfangled and joining the modern NFL. And again, I look forward to it being AJ and Julio and Johnson or, or whoever earns the spot Rogers, but there's going to be a tight end on the field with that. Who needs to be doing better work and you need to go too tight sometimes. And they need to be getting better out of that. They're fine in the run game. Obviously whoever's blocking is doing fine because Derek is doing fine. But, Pass protection-wise, it's, it's not good enough. And PFF is seeing that the same way we're seeing that.
1: And you could have said this a couple of weeks ago, but they're, they're in a world of hurt if they suffer another injury up front because Sembrilo has since retired, since the last time we saw the Titans on the field. We'll discuss that. We will also get into the AFC South picture. And we'll take a look in a snapshot of the Indianapolis Colts, what they have coming up, knowing that they just gave up the big lead on Monday night to Baltimore, and the fact that the Titans have the division right there in front of them as we sit here in week six. Or do they? Paul has an opinion on this. All of that and more straight ahead on Outkick 360. (music) Wrapping up a fun Outkick 360 Hit us up on Twitter, at OutKick360s, where you can find us. Um, Great to hear from uh, my peeps show pod on Twitter, who sends us a screenshot of 104.7, Sports Radio 104.7, today, the launch day in the Upper Cumberland. Love being partnered with them, with the OutKick Network. I love also that he's got uh, the same dustiness
2: of the console that I have. <laughs> it's good to know I'm not the only one that doesn't <laughs> dust off the radio section of that cuz yeah. I look yeah. at mine I'm like this is disgusting when someone gets in my car. No, we have free detailing from
0: uh from somebody in the uh, uh, I recently got fantasy a detailing. I recently so we'll got a detailing. To use them.
2: That's I'll, I'll tell you what. That is a $150 or so very well worth spent. Yes. Once every 2 or 3 months, go and spend that money on the car detailing inside and out. It's well worth it cuz it'll It'll stick around for a good month before it's dusty again, Feel, I'd feels say. Feels kind of Still like smells a new nice. car. New car smells. It's perfect. All right, Hutton. Um, Let me see this.
0: People are feeling pretty tell, good tell about the Titans. Tell me why to worry. People are feeling pretty good about the Titans. Jacob, <laughs> Embrace put my up, fear, put up this, this slide. Look, the Colts looked pretty good. <laughs> Nightmare fuel. On Monday night. The Colts looked pretty good on Monday night, and then Baltimore came to life and, and beat them. Titans here have Buffalo, Kansas City at home, Colts and Rams on the road. It's hard to find wins here, right? I'm not known as a glass half-empty guy, but I'm a glass half-empty guy.
1: This is something that we knew. This was the stretch we all circled when the schedule came out that remains true. You saw it and you knew, no matter what the circumstances were through the first month or five weeks of the season, that this stretch would define where they would really rank in the AFC and in the AFC South. Titans
0: are three and two right now. It's entirely possible they play this month and win only one game. Now I don't they know could. which game it is. A lot of people would say the Colts. I could see it as conceivable that the Colts win this rematch because it's a divisional rematch between the two best teams in the division. I don't think the Colts are particularly good. Granted, Titans have a stranglehold on the division right now, but I don't think it's as strong as people think. So let's say let's, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. Titans beat the Chiefs as their one win here against four difficult teams because they could score a load of points on the Chiefs and the Chiefs defense isn't isn't very good. You go on the other side here, Colts are going to beat the Texans this week. San Francisco's a tough matchup. The Texans could help the Titans oh. immensely. immensely.
2: With a win over the Colts this week, All right, though. San Francisco's to a,
0: a tough game there. Davis Mills and his but neck. But let's say that the Colts pull an upset against the 49ers, okay? And they beat the Titans in this head-to-head rematch to pull even in the division. They're beating the Jets. We know the Jets suck. This is a far easier month for the Colts. But let's say they lose one in there. They lose to the San Francisco. They go 3-1. and one. The Titans go 1-3. and three. Guess what? you got two, four, and five teams at the end of this month, and they've split their season series.
1: Let's point out, too, that three of the four games for the Colts are at home. The only road game is San Francisco.
0: So this thing's not out of the woods. These other divisions we're talking about where things seem conquered, I think are much more secure than this one.
1: But I I don't foresee the Colts going on some crazy run. I don't either. Because of their – I mean, they're so – to me, Monday night was their shot to get back on track,
0: and they failed. But look, the Texans and the Jets yeah, are are right. should be wins here. It's completely you know conceivable they that. beat the Titans. So there's three out of four for the Titans to win three out of four. There, if you're given the if if, if we're going to go with the premise that the Colts are winning the rematch, are the Titans beating the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Rams to maintain their lead? Colts are gaining at least one game here in a head-to-head, maybe two. And uh, all of a sudden, this thing's not out of reach. But
2: here, here is where... I'm
0: not giving it all the way to them necessarily, no, but it, it's a conceivable scenario. It's good. But, but they're, they're not out of reach in a month. No, but you've set up a scenario where it's going
2: to be interesting in early November between the two teams but i'm also looking at this four game death stretch for the titans <laughs> and the one game that i'm the, the baton death march through this nfl season in october and i'm looking at the one game that i'm circling a win it's it's indianapolis and that would be 2 and 0 oh against i mean it, not that that's a, no, a foregone conclusion but i still feel like 2 and 0 oh against the colts at the end of this even if everything else even if the colts are 3 and 1 titans are 1 and 3 ultimately it's still going to shake out where the titans have the 2 0 advantage over the Colts, beat
0: everyone else in the division. Colts would have to pass them in order to, to beat them. Yep. Which and then would it, be it a would still order. be the Titans in the end. But, but Titans have gone to Indianapolis and lost lots of games.
1: Uh, yep, they have. Um, you guys are going to, I think you'll hate this idea uh, because Tries. of the, the mantra we live and By the by, way,
2: Carson is, Wentz was pretty good against the Ravens. They he, looked, he looked a lot better for the overall
1: first
0: against the good anyway, team. Anyway, Hutton, sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine.
1: Um, the best case scenario as I look ahead for the Titans here is for. The Texans to beat the Colts, okay? Send the Colts to one and five with two losses in the division. And you you start to peek ahead at what the Titans have, and you think, could it be possible that despite the pass rush or the the, the pass protection issues and and everything else, we could take the foot off the gas a bit with Derrick Henry. We don't have to give him Twenty-seven to thirty-one carries a game. We can we can ease back. You know, the, I mentioned yesterday the the OJ Simpson pace that Derrick Henry's on as far as carries per game through five weeks. There's only one guy who's done more, and it was OJ. Um, that season, after week five, he started to taper off on his usage, and it was because the Bills started to win the division and they were able to not have to use their top workhorse as hard each and every week. Same would go for Derrick Well, the Henry-ner.
0: solution to this starts with the law firm of Jones and Brown. We haven't seen this pick right. your poison yep. thing. So you got to get into a situation where you have access to both the running game and the passing game. We need more poison. And you you yeah, <laughs> you, you have the downfield poison. You you poison some people with We're gonna throws have there and you back some people up. We're going to have you it Back Monday. some people up. Then it's easier. Then, then maybe you can start winning with the passing game and take some of the burden off.
1: There. Bring me all the poison. <laughs> Starting Monday Night Football, all the poison. Have you heard anything on uh, ticket sales for this game? I have. Aside not. Aside from the fact that Bills, the Bills fans will be jumping through tables all day Monday.
0: I have not. Uh, heard I'll anything. be heading over
2: uh, to Nissan Stadium post this show just to see just that. I want to watch people jump through tables.
0: This new regime uh, is. Uh, I, I haven't checked in, but I haven't checked in because I don't imagine they'll share anything. <laughs> well, you don't know until you ask, yeah. Paul. That's right. Well, There's no we'll, such I mean, thing as a dumb we're question. We're all
1: going to see together on Monday well, there
0: night. Are, I disagree with that.
1: This is a mega privilege. game. There's no reason not to attend on Monday night football. At no, I, like, people, I
0: mean, people always want it on well, like, the schedule. So if it's on the schedule pivotal. and you don't go, pivotal. I don't pivotal.
2: really B- Bill's fans know how big this game is. They'll, they'll attend. They'll heed your warning, Hutton. Are you saying no they're going to be here? No reason not to attend. Bill's fans are all nodding their head right now. You're right. Enjoy Thursday night football
1: tonight as Brady and the Bucs take on Hurts and the Eagles. Enjoy game five of the NLDS. The winner gets the Braves. If the Dodgers win game one in Atlanta on Saturday, if the Giants win... Atlanta will be in San Francisco. I've That's the game you should be going Logan to,
0: Chad. Catch us tomorrow full Webb.
1: weekend preview and I'll kick three sixty.
0: Don't block the box, do lock the locks.